work for you I'd even slave for you I'd be a banker or a knave for you Whatever that is And if that isn't love, it'll have to do Until the real thing comes along I'd gladly move the earth for you To prove my love to and it's worth for you If that isn't love, it will have to do Gotta do Until the real thing comes along With all the words there at my command I just can't make you understand I'll always love you, darling, come with me My heart is yours, what more can I say? You want me to rob a bank? Well, I won't do it I'd die for you, yeah I'd even cry for you, yeah I'd tear the stars down from the skies for you If that isn't love, well, skip it It'll have to do Until the real thing comes along Ready to cry for you. I tear the dust down from the sky for you. Do, 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 that is love. You have to do, baby. Yeah. Till the real thing comes along. Here's the real thing, baby. Well, hello and welcome to this week's Old Cadger Radio Show on WFMU. I'm your Cadger. That's right, I'm your host and the programmer of the program. We opened up this week with Earl Hines, Earl Father Hines, on the piano with a, a tune called Child of a Disordered Brain. And then Fats Waller with uh, Until the Real Thing Comes Along. Now, I just want to say about the program here, we have a playlist on the Internet that, that I can't tell you where to find it, but it's uh, capably handled by my assistant, Lola Bell Pancake. There is also a, a, a comments forum, and Lola Bell is in charge of that, too. She answers questions from listeners about the show. Now, sometimes she tells me what the listeners are saying, and I uh, shout out something to her and in the shanty, and she writes it on the Internet. Now, I don't know much about the Internet. I've never seen it because I suffer from uh, chronic cyber blindness. Anyway, I was told by station manager Ken Friedman that WFMU can only be found, you, you can listen to it, but there's a place where they feature uh, information like the program schedule and pictures of WFMU DJs, mostly naked from what I've heard. You cannot easily find WFMU on any computer that is connected to the Internet. WFMU's uh, home on the Internet can only be found on what I'm told is something called the dark web. Now, you need to enter special passcodes, and give your credit card number and provide access to your bank account and surrender personal data before you can get down into the dark web to find WFMU. If you think of the dark web as a cesspit, WFMU is what's at the bottom. Now, see, there is, in fact, 
order in the universe. Oh, back to Lolabell. For months, I have been referring to Lolabell as our playlist administrator. She recently informed us that she prefers to be known as the playlist facilitator. She thinks this will entitle her to a higher salary. That's ridiculous. We're already paying her 10 or 15 cents an hour higher than the minimum wage. I've also heard, if I understand the term correctly, that because Lodabell deals directly with the public, she is what's known as a, a front-line worker because she has to deal with sometimes very hostile listeners who complain that we don't play Annette Hanshaw records, and she thinks that for that she deserves combat pay. Well, I, I think she has a strong case. Of course, any salary increase for Lodabell will have to come from WFMU listener donations. Well, anyway, going to move along in the program here. I've been talking too much. Uh, well, we got Gus Bodenheim, which has a history that's a commercial for a facility. I think you'll, you'll appreciate what Gus Bodenheim has to explain. This is part one. But there's actually a two-part commercial in the program. This is Gus Bodenheim with part one on the Okaja Radio Show. Paying the bills. Hello, listeners. Gus Bodenheim here, and I've been invited to discuss an issue of personal significance. As you may know, thanks to someone with, let's just say, a very large mouth, I've freshly emerged with a new spring in my step from a very special facility, and I'd like to tell you a little about it. Over 100 years ago, a consortium of scientists, public officials, and other notables from the state of New Jersey shared Woodrow Wilson's dream, a dream called eugenics. But not just retail eugenics for the general population's feeble-minded and otherwise difficult citizens. No, this was to be an institution with the specific aim of safely sequestering and solving the Bodenheim problem. Yes, then as now, my family was regarded as America's most depraved brood and consequently a cultural and public menace. Originally named Maxwell House, in tribute to the family's most well-known member, the facility eventually had to change its name due to incessant hassles from the man, becoming known with characteristic Bodenheimian conciseness as the Northeastern Bodenheim Urgent Care Health and Detox Nonprofit Ensuring Zeal, Zest and Renewal, or Nebuchadnezzar. Admittedly an unwieldy acronym, but after all those problems with the coffee fascists, we were taking no chances. Alas, after decades of poorly administered containment, nobly and optimistically intended to choke off the Bodenheim gene pool, state whistleblowers tooted the bad news. Long-term wanton inbreeding amongst the incarcerated had produced a population explosion teeming multi-generational hordes of arguably more degenerate Bodenheims, necessitating a vast expansion of the facility to a scale now rivaling that of Minnesota's famous Mall of America, albeit without all those great bargains. Now all you gals come gather round, stop raving about your men. Now 
when he feels temperamental. I just let him have his way. I can only see him twice a week. He's a member of the PWA. Now, when my baby caresses me, it's murder. But if he ever dispossesses me, I will commit murder. He's not mine. He turns into Frankenstein, makes shivers run up and down my spine. That's murder. Thank you. 
get it, boy. Shutter Music, are we opened up with Neil Armstrong and her orchestra, which it's murder. Then Cab Calloway. That was Dizzy Gillespie, and he wrote it. Uh, Dizzy Gillespie was on trumpet, and he wrote Picking the Cabbage, uh, recorded with Cab Calloway Orchestra. Then uh, the great Kenny Dorham with uh, Bebop in Pastel. That was recorded in 1946. And then we ended up the set with the Cats and the Fiddler with Mr. Rhythm Man. I'm the old codger, Courtney T. Edison, here on WFMU, every week, playing 70 RPM records. That also re- recollecting the past, there were many great dance moves in the 1920s. Uh, the Charleston, there was the Lindy Hop, named after Charles Lindbergh. Uh, the, the Foxtrot, the Brazilian Samba, uh, the Toddle, the Tango, the Stomp. I, I could do them all. Now... Not so much. My, my lumbago acts up. And it's hard to find women who know these dances anyway. Many of these were what were called two-step dancers. I knew a woman of impeccable virtue who said the best explanation for how to do a two-step is to pretend you are drunk. Well, I told her, why pretend? It was, it was only a matter of time before that woman's virtue was less than impeccable but her dancing skills were vastly improved. Also, back in the 1920s, they used to print the type of dance on the record label, so it might say Foxtrot. Well, because they were unscrupulous record companies, I I know, hard to believe, (laughs) they wanted to sell more platters to people who danced the two-step, and there were a lot of records fraudulently stamped that they were good for two-step dancing. Well, this practice became very widespread, and it was causing a lot of confusion in the 1920s dance music market. Finally, the law, it was inevitable the lawmakers stepped in. A congressional committee investigated the matter. They passed a law that required every record company and the publisher to submit the rhythms of new releases to this congressional committee, and they would determine whether or not that record was what it claimed to be. The approval process became known as two-step verification. It was successful 
for a short period of time. However, within a few years, the jitterbugs stepped in, <laughs> and they were swinging around their arms and legs with wild abandon. It made the entire verification process useless. These, these federal dance regulators had to go find other forms of popular entertainment they could take the fun out of. Many of them were fired. The less fortunate ones, which is to say the slower ones, were hung from lamp posts. Oh, it was a glorious time. Well, got to move along here on the old Codger show on WFMU. We've got Gus Bodenheim. He's going to tell you about part two of the wellness facility that he's uh, so proud to be a part of. Hello, it's Gus Bodenheim again, back to tell you the ongoing story of Northeastern Bodenheim Urgent Care Health and Detox Nonprofit ensuring zeal, zest, and renewal, or Nebuchadnezzar, or as it is known to me and my fellow alumni, Old Neb, sort of rhymes with low ebb. And after the low ebb I previously described, Old Neb underwent a bold reimagining aimed toward the ultimate fulfillment of its acronymical mandate, minus God willing the part about non-profit. Today's Old Neb, or New Old Neb, is a vibrant, multidisciplinary humdinger of a wellness facility, subjecting Bodenheims of every DSM category to a variety of innovative therapeutics. Try these on for size. Cognitive behavioral therapy, designed to force functional recognition of the difference between one's elbow and a hole in the ground by any means necessary. Multi-dimensional family therapy in which real or imagined relatives from various dimensions are contacted through a cunning combination of Ouija and psilocybin. Resentments are aired, ultimatums delivered, some never return. Who needs them? Motivational incentives such as sugary treats, belly rubs and Facebook likes to spur small bursts of dopamine, serotonin, and or oxytocin in order to quell the urge to escape. Augmented biofeedback, a complete set of American tourister luggage, and a while-you-wait six-step program, boldly cutting in half the traditional 12-step rigmarole, placing the subject in the express lane to what is, after all, the only actual step, namely, knock it off. I'm here to tell you that it saved my sanity and made me a functional member of society. And here's where you come in. It would be a shame if some of the more treatment-resistant Bodenheims were forced out of the facility due to lack of funds. If they came to your neighborhood, won't you help? Call 1-800-228-2221. And remember, it's all about the Bodenheims. Thank you. 
listening to previous set of music here on the Old Codger Show. We, uh, we heard a great guitarist, Django Reinhardt, and he did The Man I Love. Then the Mississippi Mudmashers did Bring It On Home to Grandma. Then Hartman's Heartbreakers from Tennessee. And Betty Lou, 12-year-old Betty Lou, on the lead vocal, on A Night in Carolina. And finally we heard uh, Macon, Ed, and Tampa Joe with the warm wipe stomp. Uh, Macon Ed was uh, Ed Anthony, great, uh, kind of crazy fiddler, or wild style there. Tampa Joe, the identity of Tampa Joe is not known, but it is suspected, at least I suspect, it is uh, Oliver Wendell Bodenheim. Uh, Oliver escaped from the Bodenheim rehab facility in the 1930s. He went south and he took up the guitar and he began hanging out in juke joints. He signed a pact with Satan at a crossroads, and uh, Satan gave him a record deal. Satan at the time was was just getting started in the music business. Back then, uh, Satan later partnered with a guy named Morris Levy, and they gave record deals to a lot of people, but uh, that was after the 78 RPM era, so I lost interest, and I didn't follow the uh, developing story. Maybe you can read about it somewhere else. Well, next on the Old Codger Show, we have Flip the Frog. And it's the soundtrack of a major motion picture starring Flip the Frog. Uh, it's called The Milkman. It's from 1932. Now, uh, I want you to know, because you won't see it on the radio, it's also starring a young Betty Graber. She's dressed as a cat. Then there's a young Mickey Rooney. He's dressed as a mouse. And then, finally, there's Fatty Arbuckle. He's dressed as a hippo. Uh, you might not otherwise recognize these very famous uh, actors. Well, coming up, here we go. The soundtrack of The Milkman, starring Flip the Frog, I just like saying it, from uh, 1932 on the Old Codger Radio Show.
think they're milking.
gang's all here. What the hell do we care? Mustn't say that naughty word. Hail, hail, the gang's all here. What the hell do we care now? And there he put on the load. But at the same time a police was coming, he didn't see what Powell was doing. But he kept on walking up slowly, seeing if the place is tidy. This time Powell started to tremble. Soon as he saw the constable, before the policeman knew what was wrong, Powell take off his hat and cover it down, believe me. Up came the officer and asked him what is the matter. He said the queens can they fly away, but I have it covered down. The policeman fly in a rage and asked him why don't you get a cage. He said I couldn't leave the birdie so I am afraid it would fly and go. If you would keep it covered for me. I'll get a cage and come back in a hurry. The foolish policeman accepted that. Stooped down in the road and holding the hat. Believe me, up came the inspector and asked him what is the matter. He said the queen's canary fly away, but I have it covered down. The inspector was very very greedy. So he rush out the car in a hurry because if a man catch the queen's canary, his reward supposed to be heavy. Well, without any delay, send the policeman two blocks away. Of all the dirty tricks upon the shelf, he wanted the reward money for himself. So he raised the hat very slowly, feeling for the queen's canary. But when he snatch, he hold something soft instead. He said, "The nasty canary
favorite coming to the end of the old Kaiser radio show for this week. We opened up the, the final set, which flipped the frog, and uh, the soundtrack of his major motion picture, another Academy Award nominee, uh, The Milkman, from 1932. Then, The Mighty Sparrow, oh, singer Francisco, very early recording, uh, the song called The Queen's Canary. I hope you followed the storyline in there. It was rather comical. And we closed out with the Willie Steck Orchestra from 1944 from Germany. <laughs> Fine year for music in Germany, not much else. We heard uh, Raymond Scott's Powerhouse, covered by the Willie Steck Orchestra. This is your codger. I'll be back next week. Next program, I will have some explosive revelations about WFMU, the radio station that you're tuned to. WFMU wants you to think it's a little hippie noise radio station, but it is a nest of vipers, a den of conspirators and ne'er-do-wells. Station manager Ken has been publicly talking about a fundraiser next March. That's not what he's telling the staff. He has been quietly rallying his fellow DJs and making the case for war against a competitor called National Public Radio. It's going to be an armed insurrection. The alleged fundraiser is to buy weapons because these are weapons hippies. Now, Ken is also investing... This is, this is absolutely disgraceful. Ken is investing station financial assets, that is, listener donations. He's investing them in moon dirt. Yeah, he's talking to these companies that are sending up rockets to gather soil on the moon. He, he doesn't have a use for this soil... He just, this is what he said. He, he said he thinks it's cool. Well, if he wants to get the best moon dirt, he should be talking to Del Barton SpaceX. Uh, but he refuses to work with my cronies. Everybody knows that Del Barton is the most trusted name in, in, in trusted names. If you don't believe me, you should read the Del Barton book of trusted names. The Del Barton name is right on the cover. Another trusted name is, is Walter. One of the most distrusted names in radio is anyone named Ken. D you, they took a poll. Well, you can also trust Hardy White. He's coming up next on WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope in New York City and Rockland County at 91.9 FM and online at WFMU.org. What an operation. It's a cartload of monkeys, and the wheels don't turn. saw your viral video on the late TV show, Good-Natured Big Guy Loses Pants, and we want you to be the spokesman 
for our artisanal homestyle jam for obvious reasons. Your catchphrase, I'm in a jam, uh, would be the ad campaign. I sure am glad my humiliation could bring joy to others the way it has, but I don't really want to be the spokes anything for anything right now. Just like to lay low and bask in the benign mockery. Should you change your mind or ever fall off an escalator yelling, Grape Jelly, uh, let us know. Thanks. Who was that? Another company that wants me to be its spokesman. Huh, what's that now, six? A pants company? A coffee roaster? A water park? What else? Something called Mr. Butt-Butt. Oh, I think they make cinnamon rolls that look like tukuses. They're big in the mall. I don't want to be the face of Mr. Butt-Butt. I hear you. Humiliation is a big moneymaker, though, and you're due your pity coin. I'd rather just forget about it. Having all those people see me lose my pants was the worst. Ah, there are people who would pay to be in your position. People who would pay to have strangers watch them lose their pants? Oh, okay, you're right, you're right. But maybe the worst outcome from this is seeing how many of my friends spell lose as loose. You did loose your pants, that was the problem. I undid my belt because I ate a lot. We were sitting there forever and it was digging into my waist really bad. And technically, I didn't lose my pants because I knew where they were the whole time. You lost control of your pants. Exactly. I usually have devastating pants control. Oh, well. Morning, all. Hey, congrats on your video being on the late TV show. It's not really my video. The hostess took it. And also, millions now think I'm an idiot and so physically repulsive that the mere sight of my nudity makes them wish that the memory of it was erased. Anyway, it's nice to have a little fame, even if it's only fleeting. Oh, my friend, I am on the air. This is Hardy White on the air. I am in the air. I am the air. And you just inhaled me. Now I've gone into your brain. And you'll go home and you'll say something that I said. And your friend will say, what happened to you? And you say, I accidentally inhaled some Hardy White. And they'll say, cool, you're a risk taker. I wish what I did broadcast on the radio like this was kind of illicit or illegal or something. Let's pretend that. Let's pretend we have to sneak behind the dumpster and listen to some Hardy White. You want to do that? Yeah, man. That's cool. Looking over our shoulder, listening to my voice. What am I saying? Nothing. That's what's kind of ironic about being illegal or illicit if you're not saying anything. But, oh, I still crave that feeling. I want everything to feel like I'm living on the edge. I am, though. That's the wonderful thing about life. Thank you for joining me. It's fatal. And we all need a friend, even if we don't need a friend. I always say this show is a free friend for the friendless. But you don't have to be friendless, and you won't be lying. You don't have to lie. So, oh, I'm friendless when you really have friends. If you just want an extra, that's fine. They still sell you guitars at the guitar store, even if it's your... 100th guitar, and it and it's become a problem, let's say. But I don't care. You can haul, I'm hoarding friends. I'm letting them stack up in my apartment. When I perish, they will come in, and they will go through my effects. But what my effects will be, will be like, oh, I don't know, my bowling team and cousins and things like that. And I say, what is this? And we're Hardy's friends. He was hoarding us. He's just keeping us here, which is fine, because he was feeding us. And, uh... That's what's important. We all just came for the food. At the end of the day, it's the food, isn't it? You have to subsist in order to even 
have wrong thoughts. Even the evil have to go out and get a sandwich every once in a while. Oh, I don't mind having that with you. So I will sit with you on your lunch break. Maybe this is your lunch break. I don't know what time. If you live in the middle of the ocean or something, maybe. Right now, it's, oh, it's my, it's my lunchtime. And I listen to, I'll go out and I'll visit with Hardy White. And I'll have my sandwich, my cold pimento cheese sandwich. And I like some chips. I have some chips. They're made out of compacted dust so that nothing is harmed in the environment. I make them myself. I got a dehydrator. And what I do is every Saturday, I scrape the dust off the sills. I put it in that. I make some chips and I take it to work. Oh, friend, I'm glad to be part of that meal. When I was a child, we had a type of non-refrigerated required pudding in a tin. And the tin had a pull tab. And you could open it up like that, like you're opening up a can of I don't know what, not sardines even, Vienna sausage. But inside was a chocolate pudding of a sort. And it did not require refrigeration. And that's because, I believe, we had recently gone to the moon. And when you go to the moon, there are certain things you have to think about that you don't think about when you're just driving to Atlanta. And one of them is to have food that doesn't require any air or refrigeration or I don't know what. It can last forever. My grandmother had a part of her pantry for hurricanes in case there was a hurricane and Publix closed. And so she would put things in there and never remove them and never use them, really. Uh, So she had foods from, oh gosh, going back decades when I was a kid even. And she would keep them in there, preserved. Oh, how many of us have those sort of cabinets in our hearts? What did we put in them? Do we even remember? Oh, I remember. I put in friends, and I visit them all the time. That way they're not stale. If you put in friends there and don't check on them, whoa. I've, there's some friends I haven't checked on in decades, but I don't think we're friends anymore, and nothing happened. It's just that I moved to a different elementary school or something. And we did lose track. And now, because the bones in our face have changed, I'm not sure I would remember some of those friends, even though they help define who I am. And by define who I am, I mean they made an indelible entry into the encyclopedia of me that remains in my mind library, in which I consult often. They help write the entry. And I have no control over that. And now they are gone. And I can't go back to them and say, you know, I'm not somebody who wets themselves regularly. That was a one-off. So why is that in there? That's what I would ask them. Oh, my radio friend, 